Africans who've come to join us. They came all the way from Uganda and, and also from Kenya. So they came here just today to give you this special opportunity to learn from them. Uh, now, of course, we recognize that they also left here a few weeks before. But, man, we had an incredible, incredible time. And some of the different things that took place to us, we can't share them all, but we'll share a few things that stood out for each one of our various young men and young women. I started calling them kids when we started, and uh, they called me Big Daddy Lee. That's what, uh, it, uh, Baba was the name. I was, I was like, I was, wasn't sure how to take that one. Joe just sent me an email, and he said, Big Daddy Lee, sorry I can't be there. I'm going to be on the 25th. So I'll let you guys know. So Joe Banner sent me that. He's still back in Africa. He and Rebecca stayed. They were just captured by the orphanage, and they found themselves wanting to spend more time interacting with the various youth that were involved there. So uh, we'll get a chance here from Joe and hopefully Rebecca after they get back here in a couple more weeks. Uh, some of the things that took place for us as we were here is each day we had a special time of devotions and we walked through Nehemiah, which was the book that we studied for that entire time together. So every morning, the various group that was set aside would lead us in the devotion and what it was that God was saying and what God was telling us what was going on. In the very beginning, we recognized that God had called us to something special. He given each one a particular vision. But for all of us, the vision included simply the same thing as Nehemiah had been given by God at that point in time when he made a decision to follow him. Nehemiah made the decision that God had called him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Well, in our case, we began to understand that God had sent us to help build walls in Africa, to restructure some of those who were broken down, and also in a secondary form to begin to build the walls in our own life that had begun to fall down in our relationship with him. So each person here began to deal with that and grapple with that over the next a few weeks, some of them with a lot of tears. I still remember the first time I spoke and I shared and we got through, we worked through Nehemiah and I finished up and I talked about, and he wept and the focus was he wept. And as I got to the very end of the message, Cisa said in the side, and he wept. And I thought, well, she got it. She got it. There was a lot of weeping, but they were joyful weepings. They, they, were, they were tears of excitement. They were tears of, of recognition. Uh, they were tears of change. And for many of us, uh, that took place. They're going to share some of those thoughts. One of the things that we were forced to do was uh, Joe Banner, who's a teacher, and he's all, he said, okay, everybody has to write a poem. And I looked at him and I said, everybody? He said, everybody. And I went, man, I do not do poems. It's not something I do. I literally, I don't remember ever writing a poem. It was like, no, not going to happen. And I said to myself, it's not going to happen. Nice thought, Joe. I will scoot around this on the side. Not going to happen. That night at 3 a.m. I woke up and I had this poem in my head. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. I got up and I typed it into my little iPad, you know, and said, man, this is, this is such a neat thing. And God gave this particular one to me. And it's not a great poem, but it was great for me. You know, it's a wonderful poem for me. Uh, we also found out that we had a poet in our midst that you're going to hear from in a bit, and that's Steve. Big Steve here. Steve is a poet. And he has a variety of ways which he expressed himself. When we discovered that, we basically said, okay, he's going to share one every day and the rest of us will cop out. So uh, that's kind of what happened. Not exactly, but close to that. A few other people got to share their poem as well as, as God spoke to them. So here's mine. I'm going to start that. And following that, I'm going to have each person here share some of their thoughts, 
some things that stood out for them in relationship to Africa, why they went on the trip, what happened to them while they were there, what people did they encounter that changed their lives. After about five share, then we're going to show a clip that Glenn has put together. It's about a five-minute clip that he took out of about five hours of material. So you'll enjoy that. I know you'll be introduced a bit more to some of the people that are sharing here now. And you also get a taste of what it means uh, to set aside by faith your life for a period of time to allow God to speak to you. And that's what each one of these did here. And I no longer call them kids. They call them young men and young women. And they have a story to tell. And they have an ability at this point in time that God has given them to influence and change the lives of those they meet with. So here's my poem. Africa calls with people dancing, faith exploding, God enhancing, reaching, hurting, crying, laughing, inspiring, perspiring, faces defying, creating soul singing as hearts are deciding. Africa calls. God's answer, defining. Hey, let's pray and then let's hear from somebody who's more important. Father, thank you so much for all you are and all you've done. We ask that today you will continue to remind us of your power and your glory. We thank you so much for Justin and the band leading us into an awareness of who you are and guiding us to this place. And we ask now that you'll keep us here. Allow us to hear your voice, to be touched by our hearts, to hear the words that are shared and beyond those words. Let us hear the hearts as they are presented to us. And we ask that in Jesus' gracious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's hear from a few people. Who wants to share first? Kind of like, I want to share, I want to share, I want to share. Who is it? Kelly says, yeah. Kelly was kind of our first share, baby. She was terrific. Jumbo. Jumbo. I said that every time I got on stage, and it was really awkward. But (laughs) um, so first off, I think all of us would like to say thank you for everyone who prayed for us and supported us financially, because without you guys, we wouldn't have been able to go. (laughs) Um, There's so many different stories I'd love to share, but I will do one. Okay, well, this is where I'm going. (laughs) The first village we went to was an HIV village. And it was really powerful for me to see because there were um, a group of women that decided to make a village of just people that had HIV so that they could work together to help cure each other and um, raise the money they need for all of the medicine that they need. And it was really awesome because they made, or they did a bunch of different projects to help fund what they had to do as a group. So rather than just um, kind of like saying, oh, woe is me, hopefully someone will help me, they had like, they were raising goats for milk to sell, and they were making different stoves, these like small stoves, um, to sell on the streets, and they were raising bunnies to sell for meat, and they had just got a bunch of plastic chairs to like rent out for people for funerals and stuff. And I just... Um, thought it was really powerful to see how much they've done with so much little that they had. And for me, um, there's this saying my dad always says, where a lot is given, a lot is expected. So 
it made me realize how much I have and how little I'm doing with it. And um, I just want to be more impactful with what I can do here and all that I have. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sort of, I don't go to this church. I came here because of Kelly. We went, we go to the same college together and I got to meet so many great people here. So thank you for inviting me to come and hang out with you guys. And, um, one of my favorite parts of the trip, I think was going to a high school in Kenya. Um, as a teenager, it was really cool to talk to the teenage girls and the teenage boys and ask them like what they deal with and what's really difficult. And the first thing they said was, um, for the girls, the first thing they said was they don't have money to buy, like, sanitary napkins, sanitary pads. So I was heartbroken. I was like, it's so easy for us here. We have it so easy. And in order for them to um, go through each month, they either skip schooling or they have to ask men for money. And the guys would pay them for things. And it was just so heartbreaking. And so I came here thinking, what can I do? Like, what can uh, – I don't want to just go back and – know this and not do anything. And so um, as Nehemiah tried to rebuild the walls, I want to, I right now I'm trying to rebuild the walls and start my own nonprofit of raising money and support by selling jewelry that I make and um, give money to the girls in Kenya because they're just like us. And it was so impactful just to see them and get to talk to them. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for supporting me on this trip and praying for me. So thank you. Now, before she shares, you need to, these girls uh, recognize this particular need, and uh, it's far heavier than she made it sound. Good job, Stephanie. Kept it light there. Uh, and they came back in tears and said, you know, Pastor, I can't believe this is happening. What are we going to do about it? And we said, well, let's take an offering. You know, that's what pastors do whenever you got a need. Take an offering. So we took an offering. We're able to supply, at least for a couple months, uh, the need that they had in this particular area. And that's where Stephanie's going, well, a couple months isn't long enough. What's going to happen in three months? We need to somehow supply. We don't do all of Africa, but we can do one high school of some 56 kids. So 56 young ladies, I should say. Uh, so that's her heart. And uh, as you become more aware of her, you can buy some jewelry from her. Okay, great. My name is Whitney. Um, there's so many stories to tell, but there was this one connection that I had with this one little boy. Um, I think it was in Uganda. His name was James, and he was 10 years old. Um, the kids basically mobbed us every time we got off the bus, like as if we were celebrities, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. They're, like, ripping our shirts and, like, grabbing all types of stuff. But James, like, walked through every single one of our team members just to get to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid is awesome. Like, he he didn't really talk either. And I tried to talk to him and just be like, you know, uh, I love you, God loves you, and just, like, share the story of God's love with him. And he, like, he still wouldn't talk. Like, he held onto my hand the entire, like, five hours that we were there, and he would not let it go. I tried playing soccer with him, and if the ball, like, went too far out of his reach where my hand wouldn't be able to go, then he wouldn't go get it. And I was just like... I was laughing so hard, and we only visited that place once because we were supposed to go to another orphanage. But then, like, my dad and Pastor Lee was like, do you guys want to go back to that orphanage on the last day? And we're all like, yes, 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 because we, like, loved it so much. And when he saw me again for that second time, like, his eyes were just like, 
his face just like lit up and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I gave him a pair of shorts that my grandma made for me to give to one of the little boys that I had a connection with. And he was just like, he cried, he cried when I left and it just like broke my heart because I was like, I want to take him home so bad. And like, like I'm not even, there was like a couple of kids I wanted to take. I think we all wanted to take somebody home, (laughs) but, um, yeah, he just had such a big impact on my life. Like, I want to go visit him again. And, um, yeah, so, James. Yeah, that's... <laughs> um. My journey to get to Africa was a very long one. I didn't realize how long it was until my husband and I were talking about it. But um, probably 20-something years ago, uh, I had talked to my husband. I said, oh, I'd love to go on a mission trip, and I'd love to go to Africa. And that was always, it was always Africa. I always talked about Africa. And I kind of put it on a back burner because I had little kids, and it wasn't the right timing. And um, then when, when this opportunity came up, and we, we came and we listened to Egypt explain what we were going to be doing, the more he talked, the more excited I got. And I thought, oh, this may be the trip. I think this might actually be the one. The timing is right. My kids are grown. Um, I have all this extra free time now. And um, like I said, the more the more I talked, the more excited I got. And after the meeting was over, I, I asked my husband, like, honey, is this, is this the trip I get to go on? And so he said yes. And so I was just thrilled beyond measure. And, and then they began to talk about what we'd be doing as far as speaking in front of people. And that is something that I I don't like to do at all. I'm actually quite nervous right now. And so um, my encouragement <laughs> to anybody who would be is, you know, stretching is an amazing thing. And, and God stretches us in amazing ways when we give him the power to work in our hearts. And, and so I'm not really good at it yet. But I think the more I do it, the better I'll get at it. And so hopefully uh, as uh, time goes on, I can actually do it without being nervous. But the, the, the situation that I, I found the most impactful how do you even say that? One of the many, many situations that was most impactful to me is we had gone to um, Mama Phoebe's, which was uh, this big farm and, and school that was, a, was affiliated with it, and an orphanage was affiliated with it. And so she was doing amazing things, kind of like what the group Amazing was doing. They were raising their own produce and vegetables to sell, and, and they had all these different things that they were doing to create income for to sustain what they were doing. And I sat down with these older ladies. Uh, Amanda did too. We sat down with these, these women who were peeling dried corn off of corn cobs, and they make this thing called igali out of it. And so I sat down, and they laughed at me when I sat down because they figured that I was way too um, prissy. prissy. <laughs> no, that wasn't the word. That I was, I was way too delicate American, too Western, to be able to sit down with these ladies and really, you know, do a good job. And so, of course, I'm really stubborn. So I sat down and I just, I did it as fast as they were doing it. And and they began to laugh and they began to watch the children playing with all of our other team members playing duck duck goose and and just really enjoying their fellowship together and really enjoying even such you know menial little task. But I realized at that moment what joy they have with such with with so little with such adversity with such hard situations but they were really joyful in that place and so it was just really neat and and uh, encouraging for me to see hello my name's sisa (laughs) 
It's really funny because Kelly and I are so loud, and they're always telling us to be quiet, so it's weird having a microphone because we really don't need it. <laughs> but uh, like they all said, there's way too many, way too many stories to tell, and it actually pains me to hear them because I just want to go back so bad. But um, like Whitney said, it's very easy to, to connect with the children on the trip. They, they want to touch you. They want to they hug you, you know. So you get off the bus. You hang out with all the kids. So after about three days of getting, you know, attacked all day, I decided to take a step back and kind of just look at the other people. And it's, it's very hard to, to connect with the older teenagers and the adults because they are, you know, they're smarter. They're, they're more questioning of what we're doing, why we're here. They don't necessarily trust us at all to begin with, you know. So they really want to know what we're all about, and they'll stand back, and they won't come up and talk to you. So there was two different instances where, well, there was, actually, there was like 10, but uh, <laughs> there was a bunch of instances where we got to really connect with some of the older people, like the high school that Stephanie was talking about. And one of the days, I think the scariest day, we, were, we went into the city, and we got to talk to probably about 30 of these guys, probably between 15 years old to 30 years old, and they were all addicted to drugs. They all had, were just sitting right there with glue bottles and were just sniffing them while we were standing there talking to them. Some of them weren't even paying attention. Some were running around screaming, you know, we just didn't know what was going on. But um, Rebecca and Steve ended up getting up and talking and kind of explaining why we were there, you know, that we're not trying to pressure anyone or impose. We just really want to, you know, broaden our knowledge, get to know you guys, figure out what you struggle with. And um, a lot of them were listening to you know, Becca explained, you know, that what she's been through and her struggles. And uh, they all kind of just started, you know, paying attention and lifting their eyes. Some of them even threw their bottles in the bushes by an hour into it, you know. And uh, at this other orphanage we went to, the, well, the one that we had to go back to, we, we all had to go back. We were just like, no, we need to go back to this orphanage. And I saw James run right up to Whitney, and this other kid ran right up to me, and he was just like, Cisa, do you remember me? And I was like, Derek? And he would just hugged my leg. He was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that you remember me. And uh, this guy named John was sitting. He, he was on crutches. I didn't know why. Well, he was sitting down, so there was crutches right next to him. And I was, I was just kind of looking to hang out with some teenagers that day, and I walked by him, and I literally felt like somebody pulled me back. Like, I just felt a force stop me and was like, go sit down and talk to that kid. So I turned around and I sat down, and it was awkward at first because they don't know why you're talking to them. And he looked like nobody had ever tried to talk to them to him. And there was, there was even white people there while we were there. And uh, we just ended up talking for the whole time. I don't even know how long we were there, but it ended up feeling like five minutes. And Mitchell told us that we had to go. And I was just telling him, you know, Facebook me whenever, message me whenever. And I turned around to look at him, and he was crying. And I was just like why are you crying like that I'm leaving, you know, like I'm crying that we're leaving, you know, so it just, it was crazy. I can't even explain it, but you got to meet John. He's really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> okay, we're going to, we're going to watch a special clip that gives you a, a quick picture of what took place. It's about five minutes long that Glenn put together for us. So guys, you can try to move down the front there, but as you can see, there's not any seats for you. So you're going to have to sit on the floor, but you're used to that. Let's take a look at this and see what God says to you. Go out, not necessarily to other countries, but just to reach out to other people and uh, show God's love and tell them about Christ and who He is and how much He loves all of us. Well, mission is 
going to a place that you're not used to and sort of working with people that don't know God or know of them but not to the level that um, you can, I can teach them. I just want to be more receptive to what he has for me. I'm hoping this trip opens up my heart like that so I can come back and save the world. In Jesus' name. I just feel like there's going to be people everywhere, overwhelming amounts of people in desert areas, and they all want wanting to talk to us. I think what's exciting about our trip is we're going to be real and share our life stories of how we honestly um, have a relationship with God, and it's not just a side of the books like message. I think God is going to really open my eyes to you know, how much I have and even clean water to them of just how much water we have in general over here and taking it for granted every day. So. I did one small short-term mission trip with my mom. I uh, went to Mexico with her and it's unbelievable the, the, the blessing that you get versus I, my blessing is way more than any person I ever was. I think there's a prayer that I've been praying every day. It's for God to use me to do His work. To the fullest. <laughs> you gotta start off with the things. And you have all these materials to work with. And through the process of actually going and doing missionary work, uh, you tend to uh, lay down layers of pain and pain. And then hopefully, by the end of it, your missionary trip, you end up with this is different between a fish and a whale, and the fish is in the river. So, for a fish and a whale, this is confined to that very well, and it does not really have options like the fish that is in the river. So, you do not really see things from different animals like the fish that is in the river, because you're confined to just that well. So, these kids are like, we're out of our country, and we're like, we used to be like a fish in a well, but now we are like out there in the river or in the ocean, and we've seen God in different dimensions, different perspective than just being comfortable where we are. really jumped on us, huh? That was Jerry singing, by the way. You wonder who that was. That was Jerry, the, the young man who 
spoken. He's a pastor we're going to be bringing up here in January. He is our primary minister in Nigeria. He was with us that entire time. And uh, God has given him a gift that's beyond comprehension. Uh, when you hear him sing and share his faith, you will be totally immersed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be amazed. So look forward to it. That's going to be happening December or January. You've got to work it out with him. You have to collect the funds. Uh, but he's excited. He's going to bring his wife with him and encourage us in that way. So let's hear a few more things. Right now, Steve's going to share with us a little. Uh, you've got a poem you're going to share with us, Steve. Why don't you, you can use this mic right here. Oh, you got one in your hand. No, use what you got, buddy. Great. Hello. Like uh, Kelly said, thank you for all the support and the prayers that you gave us while we were out there. And without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. So I had been writing a little bit of poetry when I was up at college, but idle time passed by and I quit writing. So this trip kind of gave me the fire again to start writing. So here's a poem I wrote. And it's uh, untitled so far, but <clears throat> with, with so many things that worry us, I just pray to hear about his glorious fight for us. Christ cried for us and died for us. Yes, the scandalous, the murderous, and adulterous, so in him I trust. Come set us free. Yes, through belief, no more captivity. That captivates the good in me. A rebel to today's society. Please don't perspire me. This is just how God wired me. I'm tired, see, of living incorrect. Only time I feel like I'm a man is when I'm erect. And that's such a disrespect to our Heavenly Father. Created us for so much more, yet we hardly even bother to get to know our purpose here. That's why I live for Christ to make it clear. His sacrifice paid the price to make it right so we can live tonight without the fear of our actions aftermath bringing down God's wrath because he forgives our past. So let's do the math. Christ's resurrection is our protection. So let's start reflecting his righteous path. Give him praise to the Lord in his eternal match, being a light in this dark till we turn back to ash. And besides getting me more in tune with what God has blessed me with, with writing, I'd say the most, one of the most impactful things about this trip was what Cecil was saying, the, uh, the young adults, the boys living on the streets being addicted to drugs. Um, when Egypt first met me, I had gone through about struggling with different drugs and losing hope in myself because I was becoming dependent on the drug for my happiness. And it just definitely hit at home because I just pictured myself in their shoes, except in America, we have more opportunities to get healed, while out in Africa, it's like they're kind of looked at as outcasts. I mean, this kid, I swear he was 12 years old, sniffing glue just in a stick while we're talking to him. And then Egypt gets up and starts talking to him, and the kid takes the glue bottle, just tosses it into the bush behind him. And it's like, if one man's speech that they never even knew before could have that much impact, imagine what a community like you guys did for me, how you guys gave me hope that there is love out in the world, and that I'm not alone, and that 
I can overcome this habit, I guess, that I formed. So just seeing that inspired me to do something and be, be more used by God to do something to help impact that situation out there. So I just, again, want to thank you for all the support and prayer. And uh, next year, I'll be back asking again. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zach, and uh, in no means am I a public speaker, so I'm going to keep this quick. Um, there was one particular kid that uh, my dad has a picture of, actually, and uh, I think we were in Uganda, and it was super hot that day, and we were like, I think it was Phoebe's farm, and she was showing us around, I don't remember, but uh, everybody had like three or four kids holding their hand, and I was like, oh, no kids are holding my hand, so I'm good. And I was super hot, and I was thinking in my head, like, please, God, don't let anybody hold my hand, because it's hot. <laughs> and right when I thought that, some kid comes out of nowhere and grabs my hand, and it almost hit me kind of like how selfish I am, and how, like, I wanted it to be for myself, and I didn't go out there to, for me, I went out there for, for the kids, and for God to show me through everything, so... Um, when he was holding my hand, I was just thinking, like, this kid wants love. And my dad always says, listen, learn, and love. So all they want is love. And sometimes they, like, rub your arm, and it's kind of weird. But it's because they, like, love you, and they want love and to be loved. So that's what I was doing. And even though I wasn't really saying anything and he wasn't saying anything, he was still holding my hand, and he felt love from me. So, Yeah. <laughs> I'm Amanda. Um, Africa was really last minute for me, and my dad just called me one day, and he's like, hey, you're going to Africa this summer. I'm like, oh, okay. And um, to be honest, I was really nervous because I kind of, like, grew away from the Lord, um, and I wasn't in a really good place. And so I was really nervous, but um, as soon as I got there, like, my entire team just, like, came up and hugged me, and they're like, we love you. And I was like, oh, I love you too. And I just like, <laughs> um, I ended up building relationships with like each and every one of them, and it made me realize like what a great, strong family I have here. And going to Africa, like I had no idea how I was going to survive there because I'm kind of a high-maintenance girl. And it was just completely life-changing for me, and we ended up splitting into teams and going to different churches every Sunday. And my team was Joe and Rebecca, who are still in Africa right now. And we ended up going to this one church where everyone just came up and gave me hugs. And they're like, Jesus loves you. And it made me cry. And it made me realize, like, wow, Jesus really does love me. And it made me appreciate everything that I have here because I feel so selfish now. Like, I am honestly despise the person that I was. And I've, like, rebuilt my relationship with the Lord and yeah. <laughs> well, um, one of the things I started this journey out with was with the question, 
uh, and the question was based upon leadership. How do you teach leadership? And many people respond to that, you know, lead by example. That's a good response. Um, but I, I challenged this group to think of a different definition for that, and that was to provide an opportunity for someone to lead and fail within a boundary. And because of that, what you really see here really is the genesis of 10 years of me going back and forth to Africa and flushing this out with the help of Lee and Glenn and, and several others to really define what is it that we're doing and what are we trying to accomplish. We're really trying to develop leadership and character in young adults. This is what a young adult is to me, this, this post-high school up to 30. This is your next generation right here. One of the most impactful things for me was a night um, in northwest Kenya in the town of Kisumu. It was a long day, and I mean a very long day. We were probably pushing hour 14 or 15, and I had a pastor at one of the churches show up with her young adult son, <laughs> Collins, uh, who is the brother of one of uh, the gals who is supporting us uh, and was hosting us. Collins struggles with alcohol and uh, high influence of his friends trying to fit in. I think we all struggle with some, some level of acceptance and wanting to fit in and be affirmed. Well, this was already 9, 9.30 at night, and she's like, would you please meet with him and just, I know you mentor young adults, and I'm like, I want to go to bed. <laughs> That's what I want to do. But the truth is that I spent two hours and 15 minutes with this guy. When I was bone tired, God just gave me an infusion of energy and stamina. But at the end of the day, the bizarre testimony of this whole thing is that he and I have been communicating. I'm doing this international kind of mentoring thing with him. And he hasn't taken a drink since we met. That is now 17 days. And it's, it's not even... It's not even me, it's not even, it's just really, you know, I think Lee and Eric talk about this a lot. We talk about this idea of being interruptible or available. You know, and I could have very easily said, you know what, I'm going to bed. Sorry, let's book a time tomorrow, and, and I'm very good at that. Not really. But the truth is, is God used that time to shape a young man's life, and Lord willing, we'll get to see him and many others like him. But because of you, and i got to tell you, it's because of you and your prayers we avoided some really possibly gnarly situations. I'll leave it at that. It's not to raise any kind of concern out of the abnormal, but I'm telling you, we were in some pretty wild places. <laughs> like, we were in places that made Skid Row in L.A. look like Hollywood. I'm not even kidding you. It, it was crazy. So God's done an amazing thing uh, in my life uh, and seeing the joy of what's happening in your life. This is why I do this. If I could sum it up, this is why I do this. When I look into your eyes, this makes it all worth it for me. I can die knowing that I'm fulfilling the gifts that God's given me to be an encourager and a leader of the next generation. So thank you guys. God bless you. Okay. Scoot over, squeeze. Okay. Uh, when we, originally, I wasn't going to go on this trip. I really didn't want to take off the time. And I've never been, I've been over to Africa many times, but I've never been with this large a group. 
And I was really kind of going, uh, and both Lee and I were kind of going, should we do this or not? But it was the best experience I think I've ever had going to Africa. It was just, and I guess for me, I, w I went over as kind of the background guy, and that's that was my purpose. I wanted to just videotape these guys doing stuff, take photographs of them. And I really got into just having great relationships with all of them. And that's the neatest part about this, because I don't know. I just saw everybody adapt so much and just change so much. And that when we you saw the video, the black and white shots I did, if you could see all the footage, it's a crack up because they're all very nervous and they're saying these things like, wow, that's really unreal. You don't know what you're getting into. <laughs> and it was so funny to watch it and to watch their eyes in the video and then at the end see how they had grown. And it's just an amazing experience. And, you know, I, I think when we're over there, I go, why Africa? Why go to Africa? But something happens, and it could be any place, but when you get away on a mission, and you're like we did a long time, age doesn't become a thing. It's just we're all just one person, and we're just, we're out there, and it's just fantastic because you're just relating to people, not you're older, you're younger, you're this, you're that. It's just we're family, and that was the coolest part for me. And I would not have expected it with this crowd, especially. <laughs> no, but it was great. So, uh, man, you should be really proud of uh, supporting these guys. It was awesome. Okay, everybody got a chance to share? Anybody want to say any last things? Cesar says, I want to say something. We're going to close together with the time of communion, sharing of the Lord's Supper. And I want to share a few last words before we do that. Somebody's waving in the back. Yes. Darlene wants to say something about the goats and the water thing and all the stuff we did that. You know, anybody want to talk about the water presentation or the goats or it'll come back on. Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, real quick, a uh, couple things that did not happen this time as they normally would have, not normally, but traditionally would have happened in the past, is we would have a formal goat ceremony. There was no goat ceremony. It was not appropriate in the villages and places we were. So we had 22 goats uh, that were presented and paid for. Uh, the life straws were 266 uh, that were trained and distributed all by our team here. So that's the statistics uh, that we went over. But so many more things. Uh, gosh, the, the, the wedding dresses, 35 wedding dresses. You only saw a real brief clip. I got to tell you, and this is going to be my last one, Pastor Lee, I promise, which doesn't mean anything. Um, uh, no, I love it. This was really important. We were told about these dresses when we were presenting them to these women, maybe the second or third village iteration through, we were asked to really start focusing on the older women. There were several older women who had never had the honor of actually wearing a wedding dress. And I'm telling you, when they put it on, I wish I could teleport every one of you to a live depiction of seeing the, the look on their face. It was a, a look of unbelievable joy. It was, it's like the little two-year-old that sees Princess Tiana for the very first time 
and she's just in amazement. It was an incredible thing to see these women wearing these dresses, and for them, even the 10-minute display or 15-minute display in that dress, to them, that was a wedding. So 35 dresses went out, and uh, so many more clothing items and other things like that, but thank you so much for all of your support. These were just the, our cover story. This wasn't what we got to do in building the relationships, but it bridged the gap, so thank you very much. God bless you. Now, some of us still have no Egypt will have it on myself. I've got my iPad here, and so I'm going to put that up on one of the tables during the lunchtime. So you want to do it, there's about, uh, I'm going to run through about 300 pictures, so I think there's 600 in there. But some of those are depicted. One is uh, what I call the, the queen. She was the first village we got in. She, she came out, I mean, literally, she looked like a queen with her dress on, and she was so pumped, her face was just regal. I'm going, oh, my goodness. Been the first time she'd ever had on a wedding dress in her life. So was, uh, that's when we began to understand that because Jerry came to us and said, you don't understand. The reason she's so excited and pumped is she never ever got a chance to wear something like this. I went, oh. And that's when we changed our style and said, from now on, none of the young ones get them, just the older ones. They're going to pre- do the presentation and rejoice in this first opportunity to wear a dress. Uh, all that, uh, when we talk about all these different things going on, uh, while we're in Africa, God gave me clearly a message that I was to share. And it really comes out of John 17 when he shares his final prayer for those people and those yet to come. And he says this, My prayer, Jesus said, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. And I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You notice Jesus didn't say, I want you to go to them and help these people to become happy. I want you to go to them to give them joy. I want you to provide them with peace. All those things are byproducts. But he said, what I go to you to have them share is simply this. It's this wondrous, magical, incredible story from God. We are one. God reigns, and because he does, despite the fact that we are a different color on the outside in all the churches I spoke in, we were the white people, and the other 500 there were all quite dark. You know, they had tans that nobody would believe. It was like, what we want to be, they already look like. Okay, so it was was just a remarkable difference in the two of us. And as we began to share, it was obvious that there was a certain amount of question. Do you really, do you really believe that we are one? Do you really believe and are committed uh, to that truth? Though we're a different color on the outside, as I share with them, when we are cut, we all bleed the literal blood of Christ. And that when we choose to love, we love not with our own hearts, but with the changed hearts that Christ has given us, with the ability to love people beyond that that we ever had prior to that time. And as we share in this little special time of communion, we're going to have each of our people over here on this side. You may want to give them a hug or a handshake as you come down here and take a bit of juice and a bit of bread and take it back to your seat. But as we share in this time, what I want to remind you of is this simple truth, and that is we are one. 
from Africa to America uh, to Dubai, wherever it is you may find yourself at, when you discover your brother and your sister, you recognize this phenomenal truth. You look them in the eyes and they say something like, Jumbo, and you go, I don't know what you said, but I recognize the welcome. And spirit to spirit, we come to this conclusion. We are one. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say that simple truth. We are one. Well, Jesus gave this wonderful opportunity for us to recognize what that oneness is all about. And as we share in this wondrous time of communion, that is what we're saying. That each of us share in this wondrous picture that Jesus gave to us, that he died for each one of us, individually and corporately. He gave his life so that we could declare, one by one, on a regular basis, this simple truth, and that truth is this, we are one. So let's all stand, I think we got a table in the back. John- Jesus, in his last act with his apostles, those men that he had grown to love so deeply. They'd lived together for over three and a half years. They had ate together. They'd cried together. They'd laughed together. They were learning together. It was a wondrous, wondrous time. And after he gathered them together and he washed their feet and he shared this last time with them and he said, this is the last time I'm ever going to be able to break bread with you again. This is the last opportunity I'm going to have before I go back to be with the Father. He said, so when I do this, I want you to understand something special will take place here in the next few days. And that specialness was this. He began to take the bread and he took it and he broke the bread. And he said, this bread represents my body. And it will be given for you so that you might have life forever. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we eat this bread as life, as hope, as faith. And as we digest it, become a part of us. Take over everything. Let us experience all of you and all of us. And then he didn't finish there. He turned and he took the bottle of juice and he began to pour into a small glass. And he said, now I want you to take it. I want you to drink this juice It represents my blood and it's going to be poured out for you so that your sins might be forgiven. No longer are you condemned, but from this point forth, your sins are forgiven. Drink. Lord, we recognize that because of what you've done, we have freedom. We have hope. We have life. So we ask that today... You'll continue to pour that truth into our lives and let us be missionaries to those that live next to us, to those that we work with, to those that we encounter on a regular basis. They might see you and us, and we'll give you thanks as you do that. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one last thing we're going to do. They're going to have the ushers to come down. They're going to take the offerings. can be passed. You may be giving some finances. You may need to fill out that form that's on you, whatever it may be. We're going to do that. And Get that taken care of. And then we're going to head across the street after this last song. And we're going to have a wonderful lunch. Going to get to interact with some of these people from Africa. You're going to enjoy some wonderful chicken and chips.
Yep, that's what we're having. That's what we had for two and a half weeks.